Hello, hello. All right, good morning. Good morning. Come on in if you have not sat in your seat. You can sit now. Come on in if you're in the coffee shop or outside. We'd love to have you. There's plenty of seats right here in front of me. It's the most popular place to sit, right here. These five seats, all right? Welcome to Sierra Bible Church. My name is Amy. If we haven't met, I am part of the staff here. And I'm here to say hello, good morning. Welcome to those of you that may be visiting or new. Um, If you are visiting, the information about our church is in that pocket in front of you. You can take that with you. That has information about all the things that are happening throughout the week here. We also have a gift for you. And so again, if you're visiting, we want to give you that gift. And you can meet us out by the info booth on your way out today. Uh, We also have an offering envelope in those pockets. You can grab one of those if you want to leave an offering today. Those boxes are in the back. They're actually really um, inconspicuous because they're wood. And, you know, we're in Tahoe, so everything's made out of wood. And they blend in. And so they're there. So you can drop your offering on your way in or on your way out. Um, Also, speaking of your offerings, if you have not picked up your contribution statement, that was printed out for you. We still have those at our info booth. We want you to grab those. If you do not want that, obviously, then you can leave it. If it has your address on it, however, we will attempt to mail it to you. And if it doesn't have your address on it, I don't know if we keep them or if we shred them. But we might shred them, and then we can never print them again. So if you really think that's important to you, then pick that up on your way out today. Um, I also want to make sure, I don't know how many of you are in junior high. We usually have junior high service during the service, but we don't today. So please stay with your family. Uh, The junior high leaders and a lot of the junior hires are at their winter retreat uh, this weekend. And so they're gone today, and they'll come back later today. I just want to highlight one thing this morning. I mean, I guess I just said a bunch of things, but I'm going to highlight one. So if you didn't pay attention yet, men, this is for you. We have a men's game night coming up on February 24th, all right? So many new things are happening in the men's ministry. If you didn't know, very exciting things. We're trying to host more events for you. Um, We're in competition with the women's ministry, so that is how that goes. You won't win, but you can try really hard. And we are going to have these game nights uh, every other month in the next, in the next through the spring, as you can see there. Uh, the location is not here. It's going to be off-site. And so we do want you to register. Let us know if you want to be there. Um, and we will let you know where that's going to be. It's going to be Saturday night, 6 o'clock, for the men. Men's game night. Some people are asking, what games? This is a secret. I don't know. I'm not going to tell you. I don't think it's bingo, and I'm pretty sure it's not Monopoly. I think there's going to be other things that you're going to commune with. There's going to be snacks and awards, and Pastor Brad Knoll is in charge of this, and so if you have any questions about men's game night, please connect with him. And speaking of Pastor Brad Knoll, he is on board this morning. I'll do my Miss America pose for you. No, just kidding. Hey, welcome. If uh, I haven't introduced myself, my name is Brad Noel. I'm the worship and outreach pastor here, and I get the opportunity to uh, share the word with you. Will you stand with me? And um, we're actually going to kind of switch up our 
what is called liturgy. Liturgy is a big million-dollar word that um, talks about the order of service that we do things in. If you have a pamphlet in front of you, we're going to read the Lord's Prayer together today, and and we're actually going to give you guys a few opportunities to to pray together, to... um, well, one, corporately we're going to pray, we're going to have an opportunity to confess sin, and then we're going to celebrate by a prayer of thanksgiving. So a couple modes of, of prayer today. But together, corporately, we join together as our house. Um, will you uh, say the Lord's Prayer with me? And then let's begin as we uh, start our morning up. Uh, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. And the church says, amen. Hey, you may have a seat. So as I um, alluded to, we're going to have a couple moments for you guys to respond in prayer today. But we're going to focus our our attention today mainly on uh, a verse out of the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. If you don't have a Bible, please raise your hand. Um, We will be stopping and flopping on various different verses. If you've been here for any length of time, when I tend to preach, you have a lot of scripture that you guys are going to digest with me today. Um, So you need a Bible. Please uh, put your hand up and they will make sure you have one. Um, Trespass. Again, I don't know where you are in your Christian walk or where you have come from or what tradition you have, but sometimes we have these words that we speak and we say that we don't always understand what they mean. And so when we talk about a trespass, I want to give you guys a a meaning on what that means. And it means basically a falling away um, from being close beside, uh, tripping up. We've all fallen off the curb at one point in time or slipped out on your ice. It it kind of gives gives that idea, a stumbling away from the truth or uh, a falling over of some kind. Some translators will will state that this means a debt or um, that is in layman's terms, sin, um, something that comes and violates the law of God. Romans chapter 3, verse 23, basically states this, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Who is all? Is that you? Is that me? That's all of us, right? We all have blown it. We've all made mistakes. We can go back to the beginning of our existence and know that mistakes have been made. But what we're going to find today is that the Lord has forgiven all of those mistakes. So our launching pad today, if you will turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 18, we're going to begin there. And this is a story that Jesus is speaking to his disciples, Matthew chapter 18. And we're going to begin in in verse 15, and then we're going to jump down to verses 21 through 35. And lend your ears as I read this, um, Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. Let's hop down to the verse 23. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me? And I forgive him. As many as seven times, Jesus said to him. I do not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times. 
Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had in payment to be made. So the servant fell to his knees, imploring him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave him the debt. When that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii and seized him. He began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will repay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw that he had t- what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to the master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I, gave you all that debt be- I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant, as I have had mercy on you? And in anger his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all of his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from the heart. Whew, that's pretty, pretty harsh, right? As we unpack this story a little bit, you know, there's, there's some currency exchanges that we're not familiar with, um, talents and denaries. And as I, I kind of pulled out what these mean, um, a talent is actually 6,000 denarii. That's what they kind of estimated it. So this servant owed 10,000 of those, so 60,000 denarii to the master. If we um, take out the characters in this story, who's the master? Let me speak out. That's a good, good, good guess. The master would be God in this story, right? So the master is God. The servant, the first servant, who would that be? You and I, maybe. The second servant is somebody, who, who keeps talking? Am I talking? You guys hear that? Okay. Um, so the second servant um, is somebody that, that um, wronged us. So in this story, God is the master, you're the first servant, and somebody that wronged you is the other. So as we look at this, 60 thousand denarii is estimated to be 60,000 days wages. That's a lot of money. Think about that in your own work environment, how much money you maybe you make a day. Let's say it's 100 bucks. You know, that's a lot of debt. And we find in our story that God has forgiven all of it. Just as in the story, all the money has been forgiven. In the mind of us, as, as we look at this, I want to give a comparison to you and I so we can kind of understand the, the correspondence here. But the average person lives close to maybe 20,000, 29,000 days. That's, that's not a lot. So as we look at the, the exchange here, um, a denarii, again, I'm all off track here. What am I doing? The amount of sin that was stacked up was enormous. That's all we're trying to get to. So as an example for my life, I'm 41 years old. Um, I you know, live 365 days throughout the year. And let's say I have sinned one time every day since the day of I was, I was born. That adds up to like close to 13,140 sins. I, I would say I probably sin a lot more than that. Could you admit that you probably sin a lot more than that too? And estimated maybe that we sin close to 100,000 times in our lifetime. And with this story, what we're going to find that our house, as God invites you, is that our house is a house of forgiveness, that God comes and he wants to erase your debt. I thought that was just kind of interesting. 
Know that our house is a place of refuge, a place that we, the church, the body of Christ, can encounter the living God. A place that we come, we proclaim God. We, we want to hear what he's doing amongst us. We build each other up through the word. And lastly, as we're talking about today, it is a place of forgiveness and a place of hope and victory. Maybe today, maybe you don't feel like you're in, in the victory spot. You don't have to raise your hand if that's your case. But so many times we find that we end up getting in the depths of despair or we find that sin kind of entrenches us. Or maybe you've been walking with the Lord for a, a long period of time, and then we find that sin's nasty head rears itself, and something that we used to struggle with years ago now has popped up again. Maybe today you don't know the Lord at all, and you're like, man, this is the first time that I've heard that I can be forgiven all of my sin and be cleansed from all unrighteousness. This message is for you too. The hope of eternity is in the Lord, and we can find victory in Him. I was reminded uh, of a song that we sing here on occasion. It's called Victory in Jesus. And it's written from a gentleman named Eugene Barlett. And if you read his story, if, um, he ended up having a stroke, and he was bedridden, and he couldn't hardly speak anymore. But he came up with a song being reminded of God's grace. And it says this, I heard an old, old story how a Savior came from glory how he gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. I heard about his groanings of his precious blood's atoning. Then I repented of my sins and won the victory. Victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is due him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. We have this victory, church. We have the blood of Christ that has covered a multitude of sins. And in fact, John chapter 1 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and the word is not in us. I probably don't need to twist your arm to let you know that we all fall short of the glory of God. But today I want to remind you that though we fall short, God's hand is ever-present and he brings you out of the darkness. He brings you out of the mire. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18 says, Come, let us reason together. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be like wool. Nehemiah chapter 9 verse 17. We read this out of the King James. I like the art in it. But thou art a God ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness. These are promises we hold on to, friends. Psalms chapter 86, verse 5. The Lord, you, Lord, are forgiving and good, abounding in love to all who call upon your name. When was the last time you called upon the name of Jesus? We all need to daily. We all need to even now. This is the gospel, the good news. We are sinners that are saved by grace. He sent his son to die for our sins. He rose again victoriously from the dead so that we who are believers can have eternal life and be forgiven of all dead. And as I mentioned earlier, I want to give you guys a moment, just a pause, because sometimes we forget that, that we can come before our Lord and be forgiven. We confess not 
not for his, his purposes, but for you. He wants to take that burden. He wants to take it away from you. And we carry those rocks in our backpack, and he wants you to unload them. So for a few moments, I would like you to have a moment with the Lord. Confess, confess your sins to him. Maybe your brokenness, things that are going on in your life. Bring them before him. Say, Lord, I need you. I need you every hour. So take a moment, friends, and then we'll, we'll continue on through our study. Jesus, I'm guilty of it so many times that I come just for for things that I need. Which is not wrong in itself, Lord, but as I've encouraged my brothers and sisters even now, Lord, that we can have a prayer of confession to you, Lord, that even as we've read those scriptures, Lord, that we can be cleansed. Lord, we don't want to be burdened with those things and Lord, you know them all, the things that we do knowingly and unknowingly. Lord, you cleanse them all. No matter how dark, no matter how little, no matter how great. Lord, from the simple white lies that we say to the grievous of things. Lord, we thank you. Make us as white as snow. Jesus' name. Amen. Like I said, we're just kind of changing up a little bit of liturgy here. And you know what the good news is? There's this word called pardon. You have been pardoned. You have, you have been, it has been taken away. The only thing that reads now is that you are saved and that you are new and that Jesus loves you and cares for you and that his blood was sufficient. There's no record of wrong. In fact, there's no condemnation even for you and I also. Romans chapter 8 verse 1 tells us that there's no condemnation or guilt for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I want to encourage you, victory is yours. We don't live in the past, but we're living for tomorrow, living for Jesus, knowing that he has so much more for us. R.C. Sproul, one of my favorite writers, formulates it this way and says, the foundation for a forgiving spirit is the experience of divine grace. It is by grace that you are saved. It is by grace that we live. It is by grace that we have been forgiven. Therefore, the why of forgiving to be manifest our own gratitude for the grace that we have received. Ephesians chapter 2 kind of nails it on the head and says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. That's good news, friends, right? We are forgiven.
So what does that mean for us in, in the relational sense of things? So we understand that we have been brought out of the mire and we are, are set upon the rock. Well, let's turn to Luke chapter 17, and we're going to kind of discuss what, what this relational aspect. Since we have been forgiven, just like we read in our first story, God has forgiven much, so we should forgive others. Luke chapter 17, and we're going to read the first couple verses here, 1 through 4. And pull out a couple nuggets that we were able to, to take with us. Starting in chapter uh, 17, verse 1. Temptations to sin are sure to come. But woe to the one through whom they come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and were cast into the sea than that he should cause one of these little ones to sin. Pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if, if he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. A couple things as far as forgiveness Forgiveness is relational. When we talk about our house, all of us are together in this mixed mosh pit of things. So we all bring baggage to the table. But forgiveness is relational in nature. And the first thing that we want to see here in verse 1, it says, temptations to sin are sure to come. We can't be naive to think that we're never going to blow it. We can't be naive to think that our brother is not going to hurt us and, and sin against us. Well, what we need to know is that, that God wants us to have that relational aspect and to confront those people and to build them up in the Lord and, and not to act like it doesn't happen. And that's where, uh, excuse me, num uh, verse 3, it says, first and foremost, pay attention to yourselves. We know the story of, of people that, that come and they're, they're just judges. They, they're, I call them sin sniffers, right? Yeah. You blew it up. Oh, you know, you messed up. Oh, you messed up. But then lo and behold, man, they are a bucket of mess themselves. And Jesus talks about that, right? So we, we need to examine ourselves, look at the plank that's in our own eyes, take that plank out so that we can see clearly enough to help our brothers and sisters with the speck that's in their eye. We examine ourselves, examine ourselves. After this, we find that they use this other million-dollar word, Repent. Oh, I'm sorry. Rebuke. Rebuke. Rebuke's one of those big ones where, like, I don't like to be rebuked. Do you like to be rebuked? It hurts. You're like, oh, man, it's like somebody's coming and stabbing you. But when we rebuke, we need to know that it's not a rebuke in, in the condemnation sense. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. But we want to build them up and point them toward the Savior. And that's where the rebuke um, comes in love and not simply just for rebuke's sake. And this is our, our guideline. 2 Timothy chapter 3 says, All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequately equipped for every good work. You come with the word of God. You say, man, brother, like, I, I am hurt. I, I, I'm messed up from what you did to me. But... I want to start on the road of reconciliation to forgive you and to forget these things of, of, of how we've been separated now. But, but this is what the Word of God says. And you need to repent and turn away from those things. 
And that's where our passage says, if he repents, forgive him. They're not always going to repent, but he also says to forgive them anyways, even if they don't repent. But Acts chapter 3, 19 says, Repent therefore and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out. And an encouragement for us, Galatians chapter 6, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. Become gentle and humble and with the hopes that they will turn back to the Lord. But not everybody will. But you need to do your part. I was talking with an individual after first service and like, I don't know, I'm going to go approach my, my sister and see if, if we can reconcile, but I don't know if she's going to. And I just encourage them, hey, you do your part in coming along in meekness and gentleness and, and, and lifting up the word of God to them and you leave the ball in their court. You can't change somebody's heart, but you can do your part in trying to be at peace with all men. That's what Romans chapter 12 tells us. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. I was, uh, as I was studying this week, I came across this story, and I want to read it to you. It's a little lengthy in, in, in part, so don't fall asleep. Um, but it talks about this lady's plight with unforgiveness. It says, If I'm being honest, forgiving doesn't always feel so simple. In fact, recent weeks, the burrs from an old hurt had been festering in my heart and nagging at both my waking and sleeping thoughts. Hadn't I sought reconciliation in the matter? Didn't I accept the apology and offer my words of forgiveness? I had. I was even committed to moving forward in love, and yet the burrs still remained. Forgiving was in hurt. Um, forgiving when it hurts just isn't easy. At a loss for answers, I turned to Scripture, hoping to find the missing piece to forgiveness, eluding my burdened heart. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus spoke of the importance of actively seeking out reconciliation with one another. I had done that. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus warns of God's unwillingness to forgive if we could not forgive others. I understood that. In Matthew 18, Jesus informed Peter that our forgiveness offered should not have a limit. I could probably manage that. And in Ephesians 4, Paul reminded the church to be compassionate, forgiving each other as God first forgave us. I was trying to do that. But I was still missing something. And it was not until I recalled these words from Jesus that I was reminded of a truth I had long since forgotten. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. My soul cringed with the realization I had been trying to forgive the hurt apart from God. I had assumed that simply knowing the gospel truths about forgiveness would be enough. And I falsely believed that if I wanted to forgive, I just needed to power myself through it. But I couldn't, not in my own strength. And the festering burrs in my heart were proof of that. Therefore, to experience the fruits of the Lord's restorative and enduring peace, I needed to remain in the Lord relying on his strength to forgive. We all do. To forgive others as God first forgave us is a task beyond even our best efforts. In our humanness, we could never manage to forgive as wholly as God has commanded. And yet still he commands it. 
Why? Because God never intended for us to forgive alone. God has had a redemptive plan for us from the beginning, and that plan is rooted in forgiveness. Through the blood of Jesus Christ, God has forgiven our sins. By the gift of the Holy Spirit, God has empowered us to forgive others. And friends, when we rely on God's power to heal our hurts, we can forgive wholly and completely. In His strength, we can forgive those who seem undeserving. We can forgive again. We can forgive that which feels unforgivable. And we can finally trade our festering birds of hurt for the, vi- the vine of His grace-filled, redeeming fruit. The choice to forgive is ours today, even when it still hurts. You guys ever felt that before? Where forgiveness just did not seem like it could happen. I had this experience even for myself as a young man. You know, I um, got saved in my early 20s. But if you looked at my life prior to that, my father was very abusive. um, A lot of problems in the home. My father died when he was seven. When I was seven. When he was seven. How was I born? (laughs) Man, miraculous. <laughs> um, but when, when I was, uh, excuse me, when I was in seventh grade, my father passed. But all those hurts and things that happened to me as a child, I carried all into my adulthood, and it affected all of my relationships. And I found that the unforgiveness or the bitterness of the soul was in my heart. And that's what affected all of those things, whether it be... Um, you know, my mental health, my physical health, my spiritual health, all those things were affected because of unforgiveness to my father. In your uh, study guide there, I put four points, and I came across this from uh, Mr. Johnny Mack, and um, he put these four, four points together, and it kind of spoke to me, and it said that unforgiveness imprisons you to the past. It keeps pointing you back. It keeps pointing you to yesterday. Last year, 20 years ago, five decades ago, it it keeps festering there. Number two, it produces bitterness. Ephesians chapter 4 says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. We don't want want that root of bitterness. Number three, it gives Satan the open door. It allows the enemy to creep in and to, to hold you hostage to something that that you are supposed to be set free from. And lastly, it hinders your fellowship with God and his people. God is always there. He's steadfast. But many times sin creeps in and we end up kind of getting off on a side eddy and kind of doing our own thing. And God's simply just saying, son, daughter, repent, turn away from those things. Stop dwelling on those things and remain in the vine. That's what he's calling you and I to do. If you remember the story of Joseph, I didn't realize Joseph took up a lot of the book of Genesis. It's like chapter 37 to 50. Like it's a lot of, a lot of his life. But the story of Joseph, if you remember, he was thrown into a pit by his brothers, sold into slavery. Um, he then went to prison for a while. But God saw fit that he would be exalted in in his life, and he became like second in command to Egypt. And there was a phrase that comes out of, out of Genesis that as he interacted with his brothers um, as they came from the famine and so on and so forth, uh, he says this, you meant evil against me, 
but God meant it for good. Now, I don't know if his, you know, we, we think of these heroes of the faith that, man, they were perfect, and, man, he had no anger or anxiety or, you know, he wanted his brothers to die. You know, he never had any of those thoughts. Yes, he did. He was just like you and I. We have anger toward people that hurt us. But he allowed God to move in his life to, to use those things for good. And I was blessed by that as I read that, that though his brothers meant e- evil for him, God meant it for good. Matthew chapter 11 tells us to take up the yoke of Jesus. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. God has never intended you to continue holding on to those things. We have been forgiven much. May we have the strength and the wherewithal to continue to forgive others and be the example to a dying world that, that we can, even through the pain and hurt, allow God to work through us. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up, and we're going to close in a song here in a minute. But as I had mentioned, we, we had a, a prayer of corporate prayer together, a time of confession. And I want to end with uh, a, a prayer of thanksgiving. And for you guys... Um, we're going to do a little popcorn prayer, so you're welcome to pray as you, if you want. And I'm going to ask you that you keep it short. Uh, again, this is a prayer of thanksgiving. This isn't a prayer of pointing people's sin out or anything like that. Um, so I invite you. Let's celebrate together. God is working in your midst. His blood is sufficient. We can rejoice. And then we will end with a, a song that we want to share with you. But um, Pastor Wayne, will you start us off with uh, just a prayer and then Anybody that wants to join in, um, we'll go around and I'll close.